how to make it right there's there's this, if you haven't read a book called the richest man in babylon it's a great book and uh, in one of the stories the father who was wealthy gave his son two things before his son went out to be on his own he gave him a bag of gold and he gave him some tablets right so the son went out you know blew the bag of gold real quick and then he was broke had to work some you know crazy you know menial jobs then he finally took out the tablets his dad gave him and the tablets were like like principles of how to make money so he exercised the principles um ended up using them built his own wealth back up brought his dad back two three four times what his dad gave him told him the story right and that's the most important part the most important thing was not the bag of gold it was how to do it All righty. All right, I'm waiting for everybody to uh, come on in, whoever's going to uh, come in. The cool part about live is it actually um, will be on playback. Uh, so you can listen to this at your leisure. Hey, Elise. How's it going? Um, but yeah, so the cool part about live is it'll be, uh, as you know, on playback. I'm going to let it roll for a little bit, let some folks get in here. Um, for those, as you come in, I'm also uh, recording this. Um, so if you want to hear the audio while you're driving uh, or working out or walking your dog, uh, it'll be on my podcast, hashtag Ask Philip on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Google Music. Um, I, um, I'll have it up probably by tomorrow afternoon, uh, maybe even tonight. Um, so that way you'll have multiple ways to see. You can go back in the group and watch the video uh, or you can listen to it um, on the podcast. Um, and uh, what, um, what we talked about when we scheduled it uh, with Elise was um, uh, just a lot of the questions that uh, people have about marriage, right? So I'm, you know, I give you my background. So I've been a financial planner, investment advisor for 13 years. Uh, my poor wife married a financial planner. And so, um, you know, and I was 23, fresh, I'm a finance major. 
Um, and so taking that into account that I've, and I got married young at 23, right? So, um, so for 11 years, you know, personally, uh, we have, um, you know, had to build a system for marriage and money. And for the 13 years I've been practicing as well, um, I've met lots of couples uh, that have, you know, done well uh, with finances and a lot that have struggled with finances. And, and so it's a common thing that is a, is a big deal uh, for couples. Um, sometimes it seems intimidating, uh, but there are some simple things that you could do um, to, to build a system. And when I say simple, I don't mean easy. And so um, I, have, I came with the four questions that um, I'm often asked in financial planning meetings. And I got a couple other questions that were asked that I'm going to also answer. And if you have any questions, feel free to drop them uh, in the comments uh, section. I got my computer up too. So uh, if you're not comfortable um, you know, asking the questions, you can feel free to email me. And I'll make it anonymous at Philip. Uh, right, what's my email address? Uh, P Washington at stonehillwm.com. P Washington at stonehillwm, like wealthmanagement.com. So I got my computer up. I'll, you know, I won't say who it is. I'll just ask the question uh, or answer the question or ask it so the group can hear it and then answer it uh, anonymously um, so you can have it. But and I think I, I, I kind of briefly went over it. I was asked to share uh, my marriage story and I kind of ran through it. But again, uh, my wife, Kelly, uh, and I have been married uh, 11 years. We both went to UTSA. She graduated before me, but then after we graduated, uh, she gave me a shot. After we both graduated, she gave me a shot. I, have, I guess I had to wait to get a job first. Uh, although, you know, when she married me, I was, um, and this is, this is actually relevant to uh, the finance story. You know, when she married me, I was a 100% commissioned salesperson, right? So for, you know, I've never had a salary in the, you know, 11 years of us being married, um, I've never had a salary, right? So, you know, uh, in the beginning, you know, I was broke uh, building my clientele uh, as a financial planner. So we had to really be smart with money. Um, as I made money, uh, you know, eating my own, uh, you know, my own advice, I invested heavily in the business. Uh, I saved a lot. So even though we were, you know, we, we kept a pretty, uh, all right, let me give the email one more time. Uh, P Washington, so P as in Philip Washington at stonehillwm.com, like wealth management. P Washington at stonehillwm.com. And so, um, you know, so we had a long period of time, um, you know, three, four, five years where money was real tight, right? And then once I started making money, uh, I was investing it back in the business. And then once I started making money, net of the money I invested uh, in the business, I had the right idea. Oh, actually, we moved from San Antonio to Dallas, right? We uh, got pregnant. Uh, so my wife wanted to be, uh, we wanted to go to Houston where my folks were or Dallas where her folks uh, were. So, um, you know, so we decided to move to uh, Dallas and have to rebuild my clientele. Uh, there it is. There, there's the email. Just had to rebuild my clientele, which means I went through another period of being somewhat broken, then I rebuilt that. And then I had the crazy idea of starting my own investment advisory firm, invested all of our money into that, and we went back to living lean, right? You know, so the point is, you know, almost all of our marriage, except for, you know, the one year before I started my own business, and then maybe now, even though 
uh, I'm still uh, investing pretty aggressively into my business. You know, we've had a you know real tight budget, right? Um, and it and it you know fully transparent uh, causes the same tension that it causes in every other household. But you know, four or five years ago, we developed a system uh, that works for us. Um, and, and so I'll, I'll share that uh, as well. So, but I first I'll answer the systems question. Um, as I go through some of the questions, because the questions are going to actually um, help help answer with some of that. So, first first question: uh, Should we combine finances, manage them separately, or uh, or some combination of both? Right. That's a very good question, and especially in the world that we live in now, where all the old rules are changing. Right. You know, you know, women take out trash and mow the yards. Uh, you know, there's some, there's dads who take, you know, who stay at home, right? So we're in a, we're in a unique time. And, and for me, I think it boils down to communication, right? And each individual couple. I think um, if, you know, if, if, you, if you didn't do it in the beginning of the marriage, you can't go back. So now you just have the conversation and you say, hey, you know, what makes sense to us, right? If you both are comfortable uh, separating uh, your finances, then that may work for you. If you um, want to integrate uh, your finances together and you're fully comfortable, um, that works for you or some sort of combination. And I give a couple different examples of uh, ways that I've seen it work, right? So um, I know some couples who just separate their money. Matter of fact, you know, I have, I have a client, you know, I met with one, um, the wife, I built her a financial plan and then she got her husband on board and I built him a financial plan and both of them are great savers. Both of them have, you know, low debt. Uh, they both care just, you know, for one reason or another, they didn't want to mingle their assets. They're happy. They live life. You know, it works. And so they, but they just, what they decided early on was it made sense for them to separate their money. Um, then I'm, you know, I have couples uh, where they mingle everything together. You know, they assessed, hey, this person is good at uh, details, keeping the budget and keeping everything on track. Uh, and this person you know, um, was maybe good at, uh, um, <laughs> you know, staying, staying on budget when they have a budget, right? And so, and so it works and they co-mingle. And co-mingle is actually what a lot of households do. They just don't have, um, they don't have a system. Uh, and I'm gonna go to the third and I'm gonna come back to the system. So the third one is a hybrid, right? And the hybrid is, um, you know, something, something similar to um, what, me and my wife do kind of, you know, we co-mingle most of our money, you know, but since I, um, you know, I run a business and I have large amounts of money um, that come through one account for the business, that's separate. And then I also have a separate personal account that I use to uh, pay different personal bills. So my wife operates the regular uh, household bills out of our joint account, right? So the cable, um, you know, things that we got to buy for groceries, what we buy for the boys. Um, we do date night out of that. And then on my personal account, I take care of some of just the bigger items like the mortgage um, and some of the debts, right? Because, you know, I'm really good at investing for our future, obviously, which is what I do. Uh, I, the mortgage is an investment in our future, right? And I'm in charge to, of, the, of our student loan car payment debt elimination strategy, right? So I run that because it's just it's easier for me to do that and then we communicate right so we're you know so she so she knows uh she has a um 
uh, we did a budget and she has a feel for what we can start this account and we talk about it. And if, um, if she needs to go over, she'll say, Hey, Philip, this was, this is normally not what we spend in a month. You know, is this in a budget for it? Because, you know, she's not one to like do spreadsheets or all that. And I used to like, you know, try to really get her to do the spreadsheets. And I realized, nah, that's just not who she is. Like she's a, you know, creative artist, musical type. I'm the nerd uh, on the finances. So, you know, I keep the spreadsheet and do everything and I make her abreast of what's going on. I go over it with her a couple of times a year, but as we're moving, you know, moving around fast with kids and jobs, if it's out of normal spending, which she could feel, um, she'll just ask me and then it works. Right. And it's not, and it's, and, and, you know, there, the, the things that are in the budget. So we said, Hey, this is what each of us can spend on our own, you know, right. Without asking each other, we know what that budget is. So she can, you know, she has, you know, things that she spends on and, um, you know, she may inform me about it, uh, just, um, so that as I, as I'm doing the budget, if I don't know where it fits in the category, I know where it fits in the category, you know, but you know, we're, we operate independently and that actually helped, right? Because nobody likes somebody telling them, um, what, what they can spend their money on or what they can't spend their money on, but we created a plan and a system. Um, and then we operate based on the agreed upon system together. Right. And, um, and that's what I, that's what I end up having a lot of clients do. I, I say, Hey, don't make a fight uh, about money. This person or that person telling you what you can or can't spend, create an agreed upon system that both of you buy into, right? Which means it's going to be give and take. And when we created the budget, you know, me being a financial planner on <laughs> super frugal and my wife being over here, um, it, uh, um, uh, we were we were far apart in in what we wanted to how we wanted to spend and so i had to budget a little bit she had to budget a little bit and we created a code budget you know but then we operate from the budget so um, the budget the system is is what um is the problem if there is a problem versus uh each other right and anybody be lying to say hey there's that completely eliminates the friction it doesn't but it gives you something to go back to when either person gets off track Right, so those that answers the question, the first question, which which is a um, a long way to to answer it. All right, I'll go for the second question. Um, how to get the other spouse? How to get the other spouse on board if they're not on board uh, with being responsible with their money? Right, and this is this is a big problem, um, a big problem because here's here's the reality. Like I'm I'm a I'm going to preface my comment always with, you know, I'm a believer in, in, in marriage, right? I'm a believer in fighting to keep a marriage strong. Um, but if you have a spouse uh, that's not good with money um, and doesn't care about being good with money, um, something inside of you has to just, if, to make, you're going to, if you want the marriage to work, just understand you may not get where you want to be financially, right? And that just, you know, if you can just uh, uh, wrap your mind around that for a second and be okay with it, right? And just understand it is what it is. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the unfortunate first step. It's not saying they can't have a turnaround or they can't eventually come, you know, you can't work on them, but you know, it's hard to change people and you're not gonna change somebody. You know, what I've learned about marriage is people will change or they won't, but it's completely up to them. You're not gonna do it. Um, and so, you know, if, so here's what, here's what to do though. If, um, you know, 
while you're waiting on them to change, right? I would, I would recommend you to be highly organized uh, yourself, right? So, you know, I talked to a lot of, and this is, this is a lot of guys, right? a lot of guys will blame, um, you know, their wife for their spending when we get in the financial planning meeting. And then I'll dig deep and say, well, hey, um, do you keep a budget? Uh, well, no, not really, right? Um, and so, you know, or if they keep a budget, they don't stick to their budget, right? So what a lot of times happen is the person complaining doesn't have strong spending, uh, strong discipline either, and they're just blaming the other person, right? Because in reality, there's going to be people who are strong and weak in different parts of the marriage. Let me give my perfect example. You know, my wife at me, I was bad at cleaning, right? I was bad at cleaning. I didn't, I just, it's horrible at cleaning, right? Now, you know, after she was just consistent with her value of cleaning, just consistent, consistent, right? Um, I'm sure I wore her out, right? She would, you know, we would have the friction that we'd agree on something that I would do it and have the friction against something that I would do it, right? To now, you know, I clean a lot. Like I clean a lot now, you know, relative to uh, the beginning, but it, it took time. Like she's not going to change, you know, 23 years of who I was um, overnight. It just takes time, but she stayed on her value. But I'm telling my wife is a cleaner, like, like a cleaner, like before when we, at the one time we had a cleaning service come to our house, um, she, uh, she would clean before they got here, right? So she was strong at it. So it wasn't, um, it wasn't hard for me to follow in uh, her footsteps on that because she was strong and she was consistent. Same thing with, with money, right? If you say, hey, I'm strong with money and I want my spouse to be strong with money, make sure you're strong with money first. Like make sure your stuff is tight. Forget about them. Let God deal with them, let them work out on their own. You focus on being the best you in that aspect and it'll work out for them, you know, or it won't, right? You know, um, but that's the first thing I would do, right? The second thing that I would do, and this is where it's a, you know, really worst case scenario, right? Where you're like, this person is just not gonna stop, but you, you know, you, you're committed to marriage and you wanna stay marriage. I would consider having a real conversation and just say, hey, look, um, I wanna make sure that there's something in the future for our kids that we're gonna be able to have money in retirement, that we won't always be in debt. So let's separate our finances. It may take some months, but let's separate it out. I'm not saying we're separating. I'm saying we're separating our money, right? I'm not gonna be yoked to you from a debt perspective. That's your debt. Um, or you may help them pay off some, but you get to a point to where you separate it um, so they can do their deal. And then you're over here building uh, for y'all's future um, so, so, so they're not taking, taking you down. Right. And, um, and, and once you separate it out, you can even have a contingency fund for whenever they, if you know, they're going to mess up and need money, like you can save money for that, but you end up treating them like that family member that you're able, that you have to help from time to time that can't take your entire shit down, but that you're available to, to help, um, uh, when you need it. And, um, but I, I will find just like, uh, if you've ever been to marriage counseling, uh, objective third party uh, is helpful, right? And that's that's where I bring, you know, and this is a shameless plug, but a financial planner uh, in general, but, you know, I plug myself too. Financial planner comes in um, uh, to be beneficial as being an objective third party, right? Somebody who's listening, 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 able to find out what both parties want, uh, able to bring a plan that both agree upon. And then, you know, if there's any friction, you know, I get clients say, let's call Philip. It's called Philip. They call me. They call me. Hey, Philip, we need to meet because you know we having a uh, we having a slight disagreement or something. And then I'll meet and then I'll listen, listen, be a referee. By the way, those you know 
people say, man, Philip, we're, you know, we're sorry we, uh, we're bringing you into this. And I'm like, hey, man, look, first of all, like, I'm married. I understand, right? I don't judge either, right? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm here to listen, and, and, and we're going to figure it out um, and create a plan. And, you know, I've, I've always had a time where we figure out a way to not make each spouse a problem, but we make the problem a problem and then come to a mutually agreed upon uh, agreement, right? And I'm talking like, I've had clients make big decisions um like selling a house right in the meetings um you know that you know one didn't want to sell one did want to sell one didn't want to cash out a 50 uh, uh didn't want to cash out a uh, ira you know to meet their business goals right but we figured out and made some big decisions together but it wasn't me telling them what to do it was just listening 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 helping community helping facilitate communication and they created a plan and a system right so that's what we did um Charity says over fifty dollars. Um, okay, that wasn't a question for me. Um, let's see if it's another question. Um, so that's what you, that's what you do to get your, get your spouse on board. Third question: Should one spouse be able to pay all the bills? Uh, and the other spouse get to do whatever they want uh, with their money, right? And I actually have never ran into this, but my wife and I watched this show called uh, Love at First Sight, and this couple had friction uh, over, over that issue. And so I was like, hmm, that would be, that'll be interesting. Uh, I wonder if anybody else is, is struggling with that. Uh, but the answer to that is it, it just boils down to communication. Uh, if you saw uh, the last season in that show, they didn't end up getting married because for the dude, Right. And I understood like the dude was me. Like, you know, my wife didn't understand why he uh, didn't want to marry her. Outside of that, like they had great chemistry. They both were attracted to each other. You know, they had similar, you know, similar values outside of that. Um, but um, but um, uh, but they didn't end up getting married. But I understood. I, I basically was saying, no, OK, like if we're not married and that's what she that's you know, for me and my personality, if that's what I'm hearing, that they're gonna do whatever they want with their money and I'm fixedly responsible. He's like an engineer, like, you know, nerd I got you, tell us good with money. Um, I'd be like, hey, that's a deal breaker, like deal breaker. You know, if we're married already and I didn't sniff it out, then I'll fight for it. But if we're not married, that's a complete deal breaker, right? Um, um, so uh, it depends on the spouse, right? For some spouses that is not a, um, a deal breaker and for some spouse you know there's I know some couples where you know um, the bread the person who's making the most money prefers that because they're like hey you know with with, with your check you do what you want and with uh, as long as you don't bleed into my check and I'm able to uh, op we can operate some expenses out of here I'm able to save and invest for our future able to pay off our debt I'm comfortable they just don't want this person to bleed into their check and so they're good with it so the short answer is it just depends. It goes down communication. Like if you're comfortable, and you always want, you know, when it comes to anything in marriage or money, like you want to think like, what can I live with? You know, because like I said, you're not going to change anybody. Um, so what can you live with, right? And it's not. It doesn't mean you're going to like it, but if you can live with it, and you could, everybody can accomplish their goals, and just figure it out. Um, and then so a question, you know, would I mediate over a fifty dollar concern? Um, absolutely. Like, you know, my clients call me for just, you know, random stuff. 
Um, you know, maybe we don't get together for an in-person meeting over $50 concern, but we'll do a phone call and just say, hey, this is what I'm thinking, this is what, you know, this is what he's thinking, this is what I'm, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think, Philip? And then we'll talk it through and figure it out, right? So, um, so absolutely, uh, I would mediate over a $50 concern because you don't want that friction. You know, it may seem like a little money, $50, but there's almost always something that's, that's uh, it's not really $50, right? It's something else, right? And the 50 is just the culmination of that something else. And so you just need to figure out that. Um, and, and, and from a money standpoint, it's the system being off. I'm not trying to fix any outside marital problems. I'm just trying to figure out where the system is broken. Good question. Um, how to handle decisions with kids from another relationship. Um, appreciate the appreciate the love, Elise. So how do I um, how do you handle decisions uh, with kids from another relationship? Uh, this is something that I have only advised on. I don't know from personal knowledge, but again, I think it goes down to um, again communication, right? And even if you're in a situation, I'm always thinking in terms of, of a business, right? You know, when you know marriage is for sake of everything like a partnership, um, and so if you have kids involved from a different, you know, from a partnership that didn't that didn't you know that's no longer uh, in business together you still have to communicate with that partnership because you have assets still called mingle, right? The assets being the kids and the transacting of money. And so, you know, whatever, if there's any resentment or whatever, like gotta be adults, everybody has to be willing to, um, you know, talk it out and figure it out and operate a system and a plan uh, for the kids. I think the, and this is my opinion, this is one man's opinion. I think the wrong mindset is to say, well, that's your kids, you deal with it. Because that's, I mean, if you have kids, um, you understand the kids are a part of you, right? And when you say that, you're saying, you're basically like rejecting a part of who I am, right? And that causes all kinds of, you know, other problems, right? So, you know, um, you want to say, hey, like we need to all get together on the same page, create a system that works for everybody involved. And again, I keep saying system and the system, not everybody's gonna be, it's not gonna be 100% of what everybody wants. It needs to, it's gonna be, 78% of what um, everybody wants, you know, at, at best. Here's the other thing. If, if, you're the, if you're the person that is the leader um, in the conversation, right, you're gonna have to give more, right? A lot of people think of a leader as somebody who gets to dictate what they want. No, a leader is actually the one who, is the one who gives the most, right? Because they understand the principle, right? If you want to, somebody to be kind to you, be kind to them first. If you want somebody to like you, like them first. If you want somebody to be interested in you, be interested in them first, right? So if you want in a situation um, for somebody to, uh, you know, um, <laughs> work the process or give them to the process, you want to give the most first. And you might be thinking, well, man, that's not, that's not fair, right? And it may not be, oftentimes it's not fair. Like if you're the one that's the leader, right? It's not going to be fair. You just need to get over it, right? It, it is what it is. What you want is the end result, right? You want you the you want the result to work out it may not work out exactly in time frame when you want it to but you want to work out versus have the whole thing blow up blow up and your finances uh, like be bad right so um understand that if you're a leader in the situation this is important right like you're going to give the most period whether it's co-mingled household or um, uh, you know, kids from uh, 
different marriages, whether it's the spouse, right? You and your spouse are good leader, or you're gonna have, you're gonna have to give more. Just understand that, and the, and the once once you just own it and accept it, like you you can move past that resentment, right? Just get over the resentment, you know. Um, move forward, focus on the end goal. Um, couple with one income. So if okay, so if a household has uh, one income and one person um, doesn't work, does it make sense to give them a monthly allowance? Um, so that they can feel independent, right? And again, uh, this is this is a uh, opinion, um, but I think it's grounded in good observation and uh, good processes. Um, you know, people are people, and people need people have certain emotional needs, right? And one of them is like emotional um, uh, or, or freedom, right? They don't. Nobody wants somebody to tell them what they can or can't do with their money whether they make all of it or whether they make more of it, right? When you get married, in my opinion, you did a 50-50 partnership. And so um, if one person doesn't work because they allow the other person to go to work because they tackle home responsibilities or whatever, like that's economically meaningful because, you know, I, you know, it's, it's different. And in, in, in the periods of time where I needed to like work, um, like there's my oldest son, I barely remember seeing him from like zero to two because I worked, you know, I worked. And for me to look back and say, oh, you know, I made the most money. I did all this, you know, on my own is a lot because there's no way I would have built the clientele of business that I built without my wife who was working full time, you know, also, you know, cooking, cleaning, picking up the slack. You know, she she held it down for a period of time. And that was an economic value to help me um, go work. So um, so going back to if it's a one household income, the extreme version of that, um, I think it makes sense to when you build your system, say, hey, here's, you know, here's money um, that you can spend. Um, like, don't even gonna ask me about it, kind of what I was mentioning before with our system. Um, and again, you know, um, um, just just do that, especially if you know it's gonna make your spouse feel good. Again, communication, maybe, maybe your spouse doesn't care about that, right? Then it may not be an issue for you. But I think a lot of fathers do care about that. And I think it'll go a long way for you to say, hey, let's, let's, let's have an account for you. Send money over there. You spend it, do whatever you want to do with it. We'll keep talking. And, and don't have the feeling of conversations around money. Um, make them feel like it's, it's, it's your money, the person who's making the money, not theirs. Like, it's y'all's money, right? Y'all make decisions on it. You don't tell, you don't force the system. You, you shouldn't... Um, uh, dictate all the rules of the system. It needs to be a 50-50 conversation that you both agree upon together because it is a partnership, in my humble opinion. Just my two cents, though. But I think it works if you want your marriage to work. Um, should you invest more for retirement or for kids' college? This is actually a good one. Um, and I'm, I'm probably weird and in the minority on my opinion of this. But if y'all ever been on the plane, and they're, they're, they're doing like the drill where they talk to you about, um, um, you know, if there's, a, if there's a crash or whatever on the plane, put your mask on first before you put your kids or whoever's mask on first. That's how it is with finances. And so I don't like, I don't have an investment account for any of my kids. Um, you know, I don't think it makes sense for my wife and I to do that until we, don't, we no longer own student loans or mortgage or car loans. We no longer, uh, we are, well on track, um, you know, which we are on track for our retirement goals. 
but we got the, um, you know, our house is in order financially ourselves and uh, we have extra money and we know that we'll be able to help have our kids graduate college if they go to it without having debt, which is big for us. We don't want our kids to have debt in college. And so after that, if you want to put aside some extra money uh, for them, um, fine, right? But even when we do that, I still don't think I will because we're going to have, you know, I have an account. I call it um, a wealth building account, right? It's a wealth building account. So what the wealth building account is, is it's not an IRA. It's not a 401k. Uh, it's an investment account where there's no limits on how much money you can put into it, no restrictions to, to get your money. Um, I can, you know, I can invest it in stocks, bonds, ETFs, like I can manage the way I want to manage it. And so it's liquid. And so that's, that's my flexible bucket. So I, we put money in there and that bucket can be used for um, buying real estate in the future, which is part of our plan of rental properties, um, investing in, in, in a business, which is how I started Stonehill Wealth Management, um, investing, uh, uh, it could be used for retirement, right? It could, for, for, for college. So what I did was I created a financial plan and I put in the financial plan uh, in my software, all the goals that I had. And then my financial system calculator said, here's how much you got to save into all of your accounts to reach your goal, right? So we're doing what we got to do in the you know, 401k um, IRA, but a big chunk of my money since I run a business and I like to have flexibility is a big chunk of funding goals are going to be in this wealth building account, this individual brokerage account, um, that as long as I'm saving enough, I can fund whatever goals I want, right? And so, you know, if, if there's a time where my kids are 20 years old and we got half a million bucks up in there, um, I still may not give it to them because I'm, I'm more saying, okay, hey, hey, Tate, if, um, if you, want, you want to start a business, you know, I'll just give you money or loan you money or whatever, or take equity in your company, but this is my money. Like, and, and, and this, is where the, <laughs> this is where my opinion comes uh, really in. I want to teach my kids principles. I want to teach them how to make their own money, right? And then I will end up giving them my money, um, you know, down the road when I die. Um, but by that time, they'll have a lot of money. It'll be really for my grandkids and really actually probably money they'll never spend and money that we can use to reinvest in our community and do charitable things, you know, which, which is kind of a loan. So actually, even though I'm creating money for my kids, because I'm going to teach them how to make money and then they're going to save and invest, they're actually never going to need my money, which is great. So we can like give the charity and then they'll do the same thing. And then we'll, we'll be a family of just giving to causes that we care about because we keep teaching our kids what's more important than money, which is, which is how to make it right. There's, there's, if you haven't read a book called the richest man in Babylon, it's a great book. And um, one of the stories, the father who was wealthy gave his son two things before his son went out to be on his own. He gave him a bag of gold and he gave him some tablets, right? So the son went out, you know, blew the bag of gold real quick. And then he was broke, had to work some, you know, crazy, you know, menial jobs. Then he finally took out the tablets his dad gave him and the tablets were like, like principles of how to make money. So he exercised the principles, um, ended up using them, built his own wealth back up, brought his dad back two, three, four times what his dad gave him, told him the story, right? And that's the most important part. The most important thing was not the bag of gold. It was how to do it, right? And teach them how to do it. They're never going to need your money. Um, um, but that, but that's, that's, if that answers your question, right? I, I, I definitely think it's not a good idea if you still have debt to pay off if you're down on track for your own goals to give money to your kids, because all you're going to do is end up being a burden on them. I mean, I'm, I know a lot of folks here who probably are worried about uh, their parents 
um, and or grandparents because they didn't save enough, right? And that sucks for you, but it is what it, what it is. And so you just don't want to be a burden to your kids. Like I would make sure that the best thing you can do for your kids is not be a burden on them. Like you own the, the best thing you do for them is own the principles, set yourself up and teach them the principles, right? And that's what you're obligated to do. Um, just, just my two cents. Um, those were the, uh, the six questions uh, that I received. Um, I didn't get any more via email. Uh, does anybody have any other questions they, they, they want to ask? Because uh, that, was, that, was, that was everything. I weaved in the process um, into it. And, and if not, I have, I have one more thing I'm going to go into at the end, which is actually the money management system um, as far as uh, how to set up your accounts. But I want to uh, answer any questions. I'll go into the system if you have questions, um, ask it. So, so, so here's the system. Here's the system um, that, that really works. So whenever you're building your budget, break up your expenses into two, two, uh, two sheets, right? Um, you have your fixed bills and then you have your discretionary bills. And so your fixed bills are everything that if you don't pay it, something shuts off or defaults. So think of like, you know, uh, rent, mortgage, uh, loans, uh, um, cell phone payments, insurance, um, utilities, right? That's fixed payments. That's stuff that you just, you have to pay, right? You can cut some cable services or whatever, but for the most part, those are, are fixed, right? Then you have your discretionary. And when you do that, a lot of folks, when they go through their fixed, they'll realize, oh man, we make, you know, so we bring in this amount of money, this amount is going to fixed bills, and then we have all this for discretionary and discretionary is gas, groceries, entertainment, stuff that you like overspend and blow on. And when you separate it out, it blows your mind, but it allows you to now create a budget. So you'll create a budget for, you know, discretionary spending for husband, discretionary spending, spending for uh, wife or wife and wife or husband, you know, whatever, whatever it is, but discretionary spending for both. And then you both can operate the discretionary. Once you do that, you separate the accounts out and then you have, Everything on a fixed side, you can you know, bill pay it, auto pay it, however you want to do it. And then you only have debit cards for the discretionary. So you won't, like, if, if it's co-mingled, you might swipe your rent money, right? Or swipe your mortgage money. But if it's separated out um, and you only have a debit card for your discretionary account, then you can't swipe the fixed stuff, right? You're only gonna, um, you're only gonna um, swipe the discretionary stuff. And, and almost all of us, and, 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 and you set a budget on it. So, so let me backtrack. So let's say you do it and you say, okay, we have $4,000 left over after we pay our fixed bills. I think we only needed 3000 bucks a month for discretionary. Cool. Yeah, 1000 extra that goes towards eliminating debt, investing for the future. Um, but the 3000 now what you do is you pay yourself $1,500 on the 1st and the 15th, right? So it, it operates like, like a paycheck. On the 1st and the 15th, you transfer $1,500 from your fixed account to your uh, spending account. And then on the 15th, you do the same thing, right? Um, and you only have it, again, you only have a debit card for the spending. And here's what happens. All of us have a number where when, when we look in our account, uh, if you're looking in your account data like you should be, um, to check anything, check everything. And by the way, even if you don't, you should look in your account just to make sure nobody's stealing from you. Like I've caught in 10 years, multiple times where somebody was spending money out of my account and I caught it quick and was able to get it replaced. 
uh, because I look at it every single day. So look at it every single day. But um, everybody has a number where they spend um, money in their in their account, uh, and they say, hey, you know, once it's you get to 200, 300, uh, whatever that number is for you, you get nervous and you stop spending, right? So the beauty of separating the accounts out is you're going to force yourself to stop spending once you get to that number in the, in the discretionary account and you don't have to, you know, tell, you don't have to call and say, hey, we're not spending this. Like you both are going to see it and spending stops, right? So if it's, if it's the 13th and you got $200 in there and that's, your, that's y'all's nervous number and you know you have date night, well, maybe date night is going to be Razoo to the pop of those, right? That's it's already established. There's nobody telling you. Just you both know, and hey, we we going to Razoo's tonight, right? And we might just eat at home and do some appetizers and drinks to keep it in line. That's all we got in the account because it's separated out, and that that's powerful, y'all. Like separation, it may sound super simple, but it's extremely powerful. And you can do it in if you have one discretionary account for both or two discretionary accounts. However you want to do it, whatever works in your system, do it. But that system. Uh, works really well. Um, yeah, that's the system. I think it works. I appreciate y'all giving me feedback um, on it. Uh, if 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 you have questions that um, you just want to ask, you know, that I don't answer like on the podcast, still email me. Um, the email's in the comments. P Washington at StonehillWM.com. Uh, if you want more, um, listen to more of my podcast, go to my website, stonehillwealthmanagement.com, that's stonehillwealthmanagement.com, or just look for hashtag AskPhilip on Spotify, Google Music, uh, Apple Podcast. Uh, and if you're interested in doing a free consult or you know no-cost consult, it's on my website as well um, under the Frequently Asked Questions tab. Uh, once you kind of get do research on me and the firm, it'll allow you to uh, book a time uh, for a no cost consult, uh, if you're, if you're interested, um, but glad this was valuable. Um, and you know, my disclosure, uh, for the podcast and just, uh, for life in general is, let me make sure I read it right. This information, uh, presented is for educational purposes and is not meant to be considered personal investment advice. It is not considered to be a solicitation for the purchase of specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investing involves risk and no investment guarantee unless so stated. Individuals listening to this uh, podcast should speak with a qualified investment professional or a tax advisor before acting on any information contained in the podcast.